0: Hello, folks, welcome to the Thinking Coach and welcome to David. We haven't done this in a while, David. Good to see you mate. How are you? Thinking
1: Good to see you too, Jerome. It's been uh, I feel like it's been it's been forever. A lot it seems like a lot a lot happens, eh, in a short period of time. Makes uh makes everything seem like a like such a such a long period of time between things. But yeah, we haven't done it in a couple of weeks. I'm excited to get after this one.
0: Yeah um it's obviously a special show it's the it's the last one before christmas it's the christmas show uh merry christmas to you and your family um
1: likewise yeah
0: hopefully uh i know we're we're, we're struck with uh, yet another variant and we don't well we don't seem to although i think we know a little i think they know a little bit more about this than they're, they're perhaps telling everybody but uh yeah we seem to be as we've said before, this is uh, certainly lingering, this, this uh, pandemic at the moment.
1: Yep, it is. We, we just had more announcements today here in British Columbia with um, some further restrictions on uh, various things. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. The virus doesn't really care about uh, how long they've been making us do whatever, right? Like uh, the virus doesn't care. We. Uh, you know i know there's a lot of covid fatigue certainly i feel it it's you know we've all experienced this together obviously you know it's um we would all we would all like for it to be over but you know this is this is our battle right now that um that we have to stick together on and 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 stay with and um you know not to draw too many comparisons to too many direct comparisons but you know it it it's a good thing that our our, the people who came before us, you know, didn't get tired of of, of fighting the uh the war uh you know after a couple of years. You know, it uh they had to go out and do what they had to do, and they did, thankfully, for all of us. And um, you know, for the moment, for us, it's uh it's about staying staying focused on doing our best to protect the most vulnerable and and, and doing what we have to do as a as a society. So hopefully we can uh put our chin up and you know, just keep doing the things that we know work. Science science doesn't lie. So you know, if we can if we can um, get some mitigation in and, and protect those that need it, then um, I think we're going to be moving in the right direction. Yep,
0: and, and from an Australian point of view, obviously things on the east coast are probably are uh, decidedly a lot more difficult than what we we're facing here in West Australia. But that doesn't mean that we're not uh, we're not you know up against uh, mm-hmm. certain things that are coming. Um, you know, we we we're all going to face this. We all have to face this. It's a difficult time, but we'll we'll find a way. It is, as I say, it's lingering, but uh, with confidence and with hope, and with the knowledge that perhaps we've got a variant here that will eventually get us to the point where we it's endemic and we can live beside it. Yeah. Um, you know. That, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, uh, you know, our good friend Kieran said to me the other day, "Let's just hope it's not the train coming the other."
1: You know, that's always the issue with lights at the end of tunnels. You know, yeah. uh, you're never quite sure—is <laughs> it daylight or is it uh, impending disaster? <laughs> but I, I'm with you. You know, I'm, I'm feeling hopeful that, um, as you say, you know, it's a variant that seems to be taking over, um, which has some short-term you know, really bad consequences. But I have read, as you probably have, you know, a lot of different analyses. You know, from people who know about these things that um, seem to indicate that potentially this could lead to such a broad base of infection. Um, and with the use of vaccines and and um, whatnot, hopefully the hospitalizations remain low and serious illness remains relatively low, of course, and but that the broad base of the infection combined with vaccination uh, might potentially lead us to where we get to that endemic stage. And um, it becomes something that we have to coexist with. Um, But, uh, but hopefully we're not going back and forth for, for too much longer, but whatever it is that we got to do, we got to do, as I said, you know, this is our fight and um, you don't stop when you're tired. You, you stop when you've won. So, you know, that's the way that I'm approaching it.
0: And we have to keep going, and that's what we have to do. And uh, yeah, you're exactly right. Well, we got a lot. We got a few questions. We have got some, some interesting ones and some more straightforward ones. Um, yeah. But I want to go back to a, I want to go back to a response that we've received um, from a question we had the last time we did the show. Um, it was from Tom in Dublin. It was to do with a member of his team uh, was being bullied. Um, I remember he, he's, he you spoke about it and uh, he just wanted to say thank you for the advice and counsel. It helped get the process moving, and the matter is now being sorted out. Beautiful. And that came through, uh, I think, last week to let us know that uh, that they've they've begun the process of sorting. It. They were sorting it out, so that is good news. That is that is that is uh, that is really good news.
1: Yeah, fantastic, Tom. Thank you for the update, and I'm glad things are in a in a bad situation, tough situation. But if things are moving in the appropriate direction, then that is, as you say, good news.
0: Um, we're going to start with a sort of off off base question. Um, someone sent in a question. John from Miami sent in a question. It's to do with the NBA. He says, "What do you think about what is happening in the NBA around COVID?"
1: Mm. Ah, well, it's uh, it's almost a game of guess who in the NBA at the moment because so many uh, players are in health and safety protocols um, that the union and the league have made various adjustment, adjustments uh, to their collective bargaining uh, environment so that there are all these call-ups um, that are happening left and right and a lot of different players. Um, you know, honestly, I, I think that it's um, – it's really a sign of the times. Uh, I think it's from a sporting perspective. I think it's great that these players um, who otherwise would have potentially never broken through to even get to the NBA level or getting these opportunities, you know, whether it's uh, through an injury, you never want to get an opportunity with somebody else's misfortune. Um, But uh, at the end of the day, you know, these, uh, these guys are coming up from the G league and uh, they're going to cash an NBA 10 day paycheck. Um, which is no laughing matter, even just financially uh, for their families. And they're getting an opportunity to play uh, on the biggest stage in the world, um, right around the time where a lot of eyeballs are going to be on the NBA, um, you know, during Christmas time and, you know, Christmas day games and, and everything else. So, you know, I, I think it's unfortunate, obviously, that we're, we're needing to, uh, to, to see so many players and coaches and staff go into health and safety protocols. Um, The good news is that, you know, the, you know, I don't think we've had any, any cases knock on wood, or at least none that I can recall where, you know, people have become very seriously ill um, within the league and within the sport. So they're, they're able to, you know, recover and come back. And, um, but I think really it's, it's just a sign of the times, as I said, it was inevitable, um, you know, as this variant spreads so much that we were going to see its impact the nhl uh just paused its its games um you know in north america so you know we're kind of seeing the spillover effects of this uh of this variant being so transmissible and 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 having all these impacts i really just am the, the only silver lining here if there is one uh to be taken is the opportunity that is being given to all of these other athletes um, that, you know, otherwise would not have, and this can be life-changing, uh, you know, you, you get a couple 10 day contracts in the NBA and, you know, all of a sudden that might parlay itself into, you know, a really good European contract, uh, or, or some other, some other situation somewhere. So, you know, or that might lead to, you know, a non-guaranteed deal, uh, you know, even in the NBA. Right. And, and again, if you never get the opportunity, um then you never get to really see where you can take it. And now a lot of these these uh these athletes are getting those opportunities and even if it's under unfortunate circumstances. So that would be my take on 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 our our current situation. But it is a game of guess who every now my, one of the things my son loves to do when we're driving back from practice or um you know, in the car is he pulls up the NBA app and he looks at the he's nine. But he pulls up the NBA app and he likes to look at the box scores and, you know, he sees, you know, who's having a good game and he listens to the game on the radio uh, through the audio function there in the app while we're driving. And, um, you know, he's he's pulling up box score. and He's like, who's this guy? I've never heard of this guy before. And, uh, you know, it's it's fun for him as well, because he's discovering. You know that, yeah, You know what? There are a ton of really good basketball players out there in the world, and some of them never come within a sniff of the NBA. And uh, you know, in these uh, in in these dark darker times, it's kind of nice to see a little bit of a silver lining. Yes, hey,
0: well, that was a, uh, an interesting question. I thought that'd be an interesting question to start off with, considering uh, you know um, that people have been sort of talking about it all, all week. And and I know our good friend Kieran, who's online. Uh, asked me last week during the great sports debate, be interested to know what your thoughts were on everything, because there's obviously been controversy around uh, Kyle Irving in particular, um, mm. and his vaccination status or lack of vaccination status. So uh, I said we, um, it was good to, st- I thought it would be good to start with that. If there's anyone joining yeah. us, actually, if, if you're joining us online, which I see there are a few, please feel free to pop in and ask a question throughout. Um, I'm just having a look through our questions to pick, to pick the first one out we want to go with. Um, this is this is an interesting one. Now this is this is this is from uh, Cindy in Glenelg in South Australia. Uh, this is um, uh, yeah uh, a very this will be interesting. this yeah it's it's um, I have a player who's just been told that they've been diagnosed with MMD or motor neuron disease and they are struggling with it. As a coach, how can I help support them and encourage them to keep playing the sport they love for as long as possible?
1: Hmm. Yeah, well, Cindy, um, thank you for the question. And um, I I don't know if we've had a question from South Australia before, Um, but uh, it's it's great to hear from, from the folks. There, I, I have family in South Australia, right there in Adelaide, and uh, um, always keep a, a keen eye on on everything happening down there. Um, that that is an extremely difficult situation, of course, uh, for the athlete. And um, you know, I I, uh, I can't say that I've come across uh, this has happened to me. This hasn't. Uh, I can't speak from direct experience, but I'm going to share some thoughts on on some general principles that hopefully you know, will be helpful in some way uh, to you. Here's something I found um, on the web. Uh, oh, hang I'm on a second. Alexa, and? Not sure what happened with Alexa, with, with Alexa but she decided to start talking. Um, so I think where I'm going to go with it first is, you know, the first thing to remember is you're not a coach and, and they're not an athlete. You're two uh, individual human beings. And really the support is on a human level um and uh you know that has to be um obviously as you say difficult devastating news um i don't know if we know much about the age or um the, sort of the context uh, of the been, athlete
0: there was nothing mentioned there that, yeah. about.
1: yeah I- i'll assume that it's a it's a young person um but whether it's a young person or an older adult, uh, you know, I think the, the principles still apply, but maybe in particular with young people, I mean, that's, that's a universe altering, um, you know, piece of information. So at, on a human level, I think, you know, we can empathetically, you know, try to imagine, um, what we would uh, be looking for. Um, and, uh, Ourselves if we were in that situation, and, and really what that is is care, presence, um, space, uh, as well. Um, you know, I, a lot of times, you know, the the the, the people who receive bad news, um, they might find themselves consoling or counseling the people who are trying to help them because they themselves are are feeling so bad about the situation. And and I think what we want to do is just give that person space give them support, let them know that they're loved, let them know that they are, uh, cared for. Um, and you know, obviously we don't know what the future holds, um, but the present day is, is what we do know. And during that present day and, and for the days to come, you know, we're going to be there for them and with them. Um, and, uh, you know, cause I, 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 Again, I, would ha- I, I can't speak from experience, but I would have to imagine putting myself in that situation that there would be a lot of fear. Uh, there would be a lot of uh, you know, anxiety, uh, loneliness um, as well. And, and we, I think we all know we can be lonely even though we're surrounded by, by many, many people at any given time. Um, so, you know, that, that human connection uh, that we've spoken about so many times, uh, Jerome, in our uh, discussions, you know, really becomes uh, extremely important uh, so that in these types of situations or in this situation in particular, um, you know, we can be present in a way that's authentic and uh, where the person is uh, really feeling as if we're there for them um, and uh, whatever they might need, uh, giving them support and love and presence, but also space. Uh, And, uh, you know, the you know, the, the permission to feel however they're going to feel, you know, and uh, to experience it however they're experiencing it. And, and that's OK. And I think as coaches, as adults, as older people in the lives of young people, again, assuming that it's a young person, you know, we are um, we've been on on earth, you know, maybe longer than than people younger than us. Um, but we never really are in another person's shoes and we need to respect the fact that they're going to experience what they're going to experience. And our job is to be there to, to, uh, to support them as, as we can. Um, and that's a really tough, that's a really tough piece of news. You know, I, I, I really feel, um, I really feel poorly for, uh, uh, for the athlete. It's, it's, it's a uh, terrible news to, to receive, and um, I know I'll definitely be thinking of of you, Cindy, and what you're trying to do to support your athlete, um, and of the for the athlete and and their family and and, and friends as well. Um, but I think the best that we can do is let them know that we're there for them. the The care that you have for them is not dependent on their ability to perform in sport. So whether they're still able to play at a, at the same level or or not, it that doesn't impact how you care for them that doesn't impact your your interest in their well-being um and if you're trying to encourage them to continue participating you know, i think bringing them at the appropriate time and uh, again without knowing timelines or how sensitive how raw or recent the information is but at the appropriate time you know leading them to a discussion on um why they started playing in the first place and you know, we all need to stop participating in sport at some time uh, in our lives, some sooner than others, and for always for different reasons. But if they started to play the game because they had a love for it and a love of of, of playing the sport, of being with their teammates um, and so forth, then when the time is right, you can reintroduce them to their original motivations and, um, you know hopefully what that does is reconnect them with, um, you know what I get a lot out of this and, and I don't know for how long I'll be able to do it, but I'm going to, I'm going to milk every single ounce of experience and, um, and, uh, and, and, and joy, um, from, from what I do in sport. And, uh, that's not going to be an easy sell necessarily, um, you know, and I don't mean to make it sound simple cause it's not, but that would be a good place to start. I think, um, you know, when you're trying to get, you know, lead them into that conversation.
0: It, 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 it wouldn't not, it, it is not, and wouldn't be an easy conversation. You know, certainly not particularly that, but you know, players I've had have certainly had diagnoses and you just have to be there as much as possible. And you're right. It's, it, it stops being a coach-player relationship and becomes a becomes a human, becomes a friend relationship. Becomes a, you know, um, and all you can do is is support them as best as they can. Um, I can imagine. I I can only sort of imagine what the person in question would be going through. Um, you know, it, it, to be diagnosed with that, with MMD would be quite confronting, the thought of, you know, what lies ahead for them. And they've got to obviously got to process all of that in their mind. Sport may be the furthest thing, uh, and competing in sport may be the furthest thing from their mind um, right now. And you just, as you say, you just support them as best as you can um, through that. Um, again, uh, Cindy, if you get the chance, let us know um, how it's going along the way so that we're, you know, keep us updated on um, what's happening.
1: Um, you know, the, the one thing I'd add to that quickly, Jerome, is, is you know, in moments of, of grief or um, high, high emotion, um, you know, uh, such as the ones that we've just just been discussing, You know, I don't think we ever really know ahead of time um, where we are going to find the greatest comfort and not greatest in terms of amount or volume, but impact more so. Um, And, you know, I think I I think it's 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 possible and plausible that many times we find them from the most unlikely of sources um, and not who you would typically expect. Um, you know, if, if you have a a loss in the family, um, it's not necessarily from the other family members that you might find that because everyone might be grieving and dealing with that loss themselves. And it's, so it's often people that you would not expect. And I say this because, you know, uh, to underscore the importance of being present and available, um, without knowing the dynamic between you, Cindy and the athlete, the fact that you're you're wanting to help indicates to me that there's a relationship there and it might be a little interaction or just spending time with that that might have a really big impact on the way that they are processing the situation so we never really know what's going to be you know the the source of our comfort or that will bring the the you know a real impact to how we're processing something which is why you know, I think in our shoes, we just have to be there, and we have to, you know, it's it's a little bit of let's let's put up as many test balloons as possible and, and see, and see what's going to you know help this person the greatest. So, you know, I commend you, Sydney, Cindy, uh, Cindy, for um, you know for wanting to do that, and I, I wish you the best.
0: Um, I have one here from Bjorn from Stockholm in Sweden. I'm assuming that's not the the other half of the the. the one of the four of the, you know, Benny Benny and Bjorn uh, from ABBA. Um, He says, I've taken on a head coaching role with a team that hasn't won a game in two years. Uh, What would be your number one piece of advice, guidance on how to turn this around?
1: Yeah. You you know, Bjorn, fantastic question. Um, A real situation that I have experienced um, in the past uh, a few different times um did he was the sport mentioned by chance
0: no no actually he he doesn't mention the sport so it could be in Europe it could be any number of things
1: sure yeah no that's fine um it doesn't really matter I think some of the same principles apply um I was kind of hoping you were going to say basketball there Jerome but uh (laughs) it in 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 my mind I'm gonna in my mind Bjorn is a basketball coach I just I just like the sound of that uh, I like I like that picture. Um, you know, I think the first thing that I I, I would do is, um, you know, presumably even as part of the hiring process, as as you enter into a situation, the, the conversations with the board and with the club have to be incredibly direct and honest. Um, you know, the I've said it many times, I'm going to say it again, the the, the worst rebuilds are the ones where the people on the inside don't understand that it's a rebuild. Um, And if the program has not been successful um, in a couple of years, it could be to a variety of factors, you know, it's not necessarily because there are bad people or, you know, there's, there's not enough talent Um, you know, maybe there are injuries or, you know, I don't know, but the, the conversations with the club, Um, and the board and the directors and so forth have to be very very honest about um, making a real assessment of the situation that everyone is in at that moment Um, and presumably that was part of the process leading into uh, Bjorn accepting the role Um, I think that leads into what the what the outlook is what is the plan and you know Depending on depending on situations, depending on sporting contexts, uh, depending on competition of around you, like what the level of the league is, um, and so forth, uh, these things can take longer, or these things can take um, shorter periods of time in order to see uh, a turnaround come into effect. Uh, typically, um, you know, the higher the level of competition, the harder the turnaround, and the longer the turnaround. Uh, when there are you know greater margins of error at lower levels of competition um, where you know you can basically get away with more mistakes um, these turnarounds can happen quicker um, typically so you know I, I think the the mindset going in has to be okay so now we we're really clear we're all on the same page about um, you know what the situation is uh, there's a plan in place going forward um, you know, two years. You know, wh- where should we be? You know, after six months, after a year, after eighteen, after two years. Um, what is the window that that you would anticipate beginning to compete for? You know, either playoffs um, or you know, uh, obviously, of course, building towards uh, competing for a championship in your competition. Um, that you know all needs to be taken into account and. I think the honest conversations also need to be considering, you know, what are we going to do when everything stinks, because it's probably going to stink, and it's probably going to to get really hard. And you know, in the off season, it's easier uh, to have these discussions and to say, "Look, like we know it's going to take two or three years for us to really see traction um, and everything." But then when you're in the midst of, you know, an, a, a six, seven, eight game losing streak, um, it's, it feels different, right? Like the conversations from the off season just seem a very long way away. Um, and so being proactive in having those uh, conditions be discussed. All right. Um, and so r- making sure that you have regular conversations with your directors, with your board, regular conversations with the, the club, whatever the organizational flowchart is, um, you know, and, and including people in on the process so that there is investment, buy-in, and critically skin in the game. If they have skin in the game because they participated in the decisions, then um, you're all in the boat together. Um, and I think that that is really important. So from a coaching perspective, and I would say from a professional practice perspective, that's where I would start. When it comes to building your, a team, um, obviously there needs to be an assessment and evaluation of the current talent, of the current character, of the current culture that is in place. Um, you know, losing does not necessarily mean that there is a bad culture. Uh, and I think it's, it's easy and it's a little bit of, um, you know, media. It's media fodder, crumbs for the media where, you know, for coaches to come in and say, we're going to change the culture, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. You know, losing could create a bad culture because losing is often um, just conducive to bad habits and and conducive to, you know, accepting losing and things like that. But it doesn't mean that there needs to be a wholesale, you know, jettisoning of of the whole roster or um, of the support personnel or, you know, all of those things. Um, so I think what I have done, which has worked for me in the past is, you know, I walk in with a blank slate mentality, uh, for everyone. And, and I tell them, I tell them the following, uh, three things. One, I am aware of everything that has happened in the past because I've either studied film. I've had conversations. I have been debriefed, uh, whatever the case may be, I'm aware, but I don't make decisions based on what has happened in the past. That's the first thing. The second thing is I'm committed to putting us and to you, the individual athlete and the support personnel, et cetera, into the best possible position for us to succeed. And I have a vision for how we're going to do that. And that's going to either require change in people or change of people. Okay. And that, that is a part of the conversation. Number two. And number three is everything that is done from that point forward is really what the evaluation is being um, centered on. So I am aware. It's like taking a job reference, right? Like you are aware of what someone has done in the past because you hear it from their former supervisor. Um, but that doesn't mean you take what they have to say and and um, adopt it 100%. You bring it in, you think about it, you reflect on it, and you turn around and you rely on uh, your own gut, your own assessment, your own skills, your own process, um, and you come to your own determinations. Um, and, and that is where I begin. That's, that's how I start with everything. It's the conversation I have with every person who's involved in the program, every person who is you know involved with the club, um, right down to the support personnel in the, um, in the change room, Uh, and everything else Um, and what you're really looking for um, are people that are um, open-minded coachable positive uh, that are you know going to be people that will make it through the dark times because just as much as you want to get you know it out of uh, you know out in the open uh, uh, with the board and the club that hey like we're probably going to be bad before we're good Um, And that needs to be on the table, you know, it's going to be the same thing. And you're going to need people around you who can take losing um, and can take coming close and can see, um, you know, success in the process and in the progression and in the improvements. And as a coach and as a program, you need to be super effective at articulating where Uh, the athletes can see these improvements and and how do we measure them and what do they mean and what how do they fit in the big picture because look yeah we've lost four in a row to start the year but we are getting better at this 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 and this um and you know if we continue like this we are going to turn the corner and we are going to get get a win um and um and so forth so you know i i can speak to a specific example when i Came into Queensland and I, I worked with an association level, um, state level, uh, you know, club in what is now NBL NBL one. Um, at the time, was the QBL Queensland Basketball League. Um, you know, it was a uh, on a, on the women's side, and you know the program hadn't won a game in over a thousand days, um, and uh, by the. I'll always remember that because by the time we won our first game uh, that season, um, you know, the paper printed the number of days it had been um, uh, since the last win for, for that, for that program. And, you know, really what, what did it was, you know, treating people with respect through honesty um, bringing people to the, to the table together uh, and, and letting them know that, look, we are going to be doing things perhaps in a different way than what what you're accustomed to, um, but you know I'm going to ask for um, for your your work ethic. I'm going to earn your trust, um, and we are going to know that we're getting better by X, Y, Z. And um, you know it's 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 a wonderful thing to see that take root and to see uh, changes beginning to be made. So but it's, it's hard, it's dirty. You're down in the muck. Um, you know, it's ugly before it's pretty, um, uh, you know, typically, and it takes time. So, you know, I, I wish you all the best Bjorn. Um, and I, I respect program builders because I, I, I find myself to be a program builder. Um, I enjoy those challenges. I enjoy opportunities to put a, uh, you know, a thumbprint on, 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 on a situation and um it's super hard but it's it's very very rewarding um you just want to make sure that you want to be surrounded by people that are going to be pulling in the same direction people that you can lose with because you can win with anybody it's easy to win everybody's a great teammate everybody's happy when you're winning Um, but who's going to stay the course and stay positive and stay engaged and stay motivated um, you know uh, when after you lose a couple games um, you know, so like I say, I wish you the best and, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be on the lookout for, um, Bjorn, uh, the basketball coach from Stockholm, uh, because, uh, I have no doubt that it's, uh, he's playing the beautiful game, the real beautiful game who, which by the way, 130 years today,
0: happy oh, birthday you basketball.
1: Yep. Yeah. There you
0: go. There you go. By a,
1: a good old Canadian lad invented a context, by a good old Canadian
0: context. Fun fact that right there we didn't, we didn't know about. A sporting fact that not a lot of people would probably know about, Dave. So that's, that's, a, that's a handy bit of history for those out there that are not, not aware. Um, so, yeah, there you go. So, yeah, look, look forward to hearing more of Bjorn. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know um, look forward to hearing more of that. And I certainly know from my point of view that there's a lot more fun in building a programme. Uh, you're right. There is a, in, in some ways, there's a lot more fun in building a program than, um, than um, how, do, how do you say it? Than, than probably walking into something that's already that's already set and ready to go. There are challenges with that too, but because um, the expectations are often very high. But if you're coming in where you can build it, it's it, it it's different. You 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 can put your own uh, stand, like you say, put your own standpoint. Uh, quick message from Stefan uh, down in New Zealand for us. Over New Zealand for me down from you. Uh, no, no bias there, David. Just, just referring to your comment. No bias. There. Uh, yeah. um, question we from- all
1: have confirmation bias, right? We all have confirmation bias. So all I'm doing is just confirming that, <laughs> that Bjorn is indeed a basketball coach and a, and a good one at that.
0: True. Um, we have one here from Maggie in Dallas, Texas, who is actually a basketball coach, David. Um,
1: well, I've recruited Texas. Uh, Jerome, I, I, I got to tell you, I've, I've recruited athletes from Texas. A lot of really good basketball in Texas. Obviously, Texas football is, is king um, you know, down there, but uh, there is a, an underrated basketball pool of talent uh, in the great state of, of Texas. So there's a shout-out to Maggie and shout-out to Texas.
0: Um, well, the question she asks is, I find my mind wandering during games. Is there anything I can do to help get my focus back?
1: Oh, that's such an interesting question. You know, I I think that's actually a very common experience um, for coaches. I and I don't think like kudos to you, Maggie, for um, for asking and for bringing it up and and um, and putting it on the table for discussion. I think that actually happens a lot. Um, and I, you know, for myself. It's it's often in at different moments where uh, my mind is 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 kind of when your mind wanders, it's it's doing something to either protect itself or prepare itself. Right. You know, when like meditation um, is, you know, losing the, the, the being in the present moment and losing some level of awareness of what is happening around you. Um, and your mind wandering is somewhat the same, um, you know, it's preparing itself or it's protecting itself. And depending on where you are in the game, um, you know, that, that can be a real positive thing. Sometimes you walk down to the end of the bench and um, you know, during a free throw or doing during a, uh, a pause in the action. And there's a, a call being uh, communicated to the table, um, you know, you you might, you might zero in on something else around the court, right? Like you, you might just find yourself, um, you know, looking at your family in the stands or, uh, you know, uh, locking eyes with, with a heckler who's been yelling at you for the last, you know, 45 minutes, um, which I have to, <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I think that's okay. Now, if you find your mind wandering uh, to the point where you are distracted from, for an extended period of time where it becomes, um, you know, an impediment to you coaching your team, you know, I I think talking with your staff, uh, and letting them know, like, Hey, if, if you see me wandering down a little bit, you know, come talk to me about something, uh, and, um, you know, come bring, bring a clipboard down, show me a stat sheet, Um, do something to 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 get me back on track a little bit I don't think there's anything wrong with that Um, I know I've done it even with my assistant coaches right like uh, um, we do it with our players you know like you can see eyes kind of start to wander and you know I think our instinct is to be like hey you know like to sort of shock them back into the moment Um, but but really another strategy could be just to just to ask them what they think about something and not in a, let me trap this guy and, 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 you know, to prove he wasn't listening. Um, But, you know, not about something you're talking about, but about something that happened on the court, right? Like, Hey, Jerome, you know, these last four possessions, they've gone under on our ball screens. Um, You know, our, our reactions haven't been good. Like, do you want to change our reads? You know, how how are you living that out there? Right? Like that sort of conversation brings them right back uh, to you. And I think that can be real, effective for coaches as well. Um, so I think give yourself, give your brain some permission to, to breathe. Um, you know, we are super invested and very focused, uh, during games and practices and, you know, uh, as coaches and, and that can be fatiguing, um, you know, for, for our brains. And sometimes we just kind of, you know, wander off a little bit mentally, um, I don't even think that's necessarily a bad thing I think it's it becomes if it becomes an impediment to you doing your job and coaching your team and being where you need to be when you need to be there mentally um, then of course I think you could put some things in place to, to help with that um, but uh, a lot of respect uh, to you Maggie for for asking that question um, and um, you know hopefully there's some some tips in there that that you might be able to implement give yourself some grace and um, and just you know, surround yourself with the people that are going to also have grace for you as you would for them. And, um, and you can get right back to, to coaching your team and, and, um, and doing a great job there.
0: I've got a question from Stefan. Stefan's asked a question for you, David. Um, hi, David. My question is, what are your steps to introduce a sport into an area? If you were starting out with no competition, but people wanting to play, how would you start?
1: Yeah, cool. Stefan, good to hear from you, man. Um, you know, I would start at the, gra- you know, the, the grassiest of grassroots, right? Um, you know, I think we often sometimes put the cart before the horse when it comes to organization and sport organization. And, you know, we don't need an association or, or a club or anything like that in order for people to gather together at a field and, and, and play something or to gather together whatever the, the venue or the playing area is. Uh, needing to be, um, and you know, I think it starts really informally. Um, I think it's it's very helpful when you have um, some people that are natural salespeople, um, engaging, well known in the community, or at least in some pocket of the community, um, where you know there is that that you know um, attraction factor, right? Like, hey, I'm going to do this and. Um, you know, I've I've really enjoyed it the last couple of times, and they're willing to talk about it, and they're willing to get some more people excited about it, you know, uh and come out. Um, it's actually interesting you asked this question because a someone that I grew up with um uh back in Quebec City, uh, he and, and we played against each other a little bit and, and we've we've known each other uh for quite a long time. Um, he is actually several years into the the launching of a new sport um and it's uh it's it's quite an interesting sort of combination of different sporting codes it's on a field uh, it's like football it's like soccer it's like it's like a variety of different things melded together in a really cool and interesting way and um you know he's he's been down in in Atlanta and Miami and he's, you know, got NFL guys coming out and doing things and um, you know, to promote, to promote the sport uh, in those areas. And I think that it doesn't have to be an NFL player or or whatnot coming out to participate. It just has to be somebody who, who knows a bunch of people and, you know, is willing to say, Hey, this is pretty cool. Come on out and try this. And you start informally, Um, and you you lower as many barriers as possible to participation. Uh, and uh and then you kind of go from there. You know, I think the the environment will let you know organically what is really required um and when it's required. You'll you'll come to a point where you're like, okay, we need to organize a little bit now because maybe it's getting, you know, there are more people than what we can accommodate in in the, in that environment that we were in. So now we need to look at different environments and maybe we need more sessions. We need coaches. Like, you know, we, we got to get ourselves together. Um, But start, start small, uh, you know, as I say, the grassiest of, of, of grassroots and um, and watch it grow organically just by, you know, doing good things with good people and, and, and having, uh, having some excitement build around, around the sport.
0: Thank you for that. Uh, I hope that's sort of given Stefan some, some thoughts there. Um, I, know, I know talking to him, we, you know he's involved in a, wanting to get something started. Uh, I know our other friend, Kieran Longhurst, would just have heard you saying that about your friend of yours in Quebec City. He'll probably, wanted, he'll probably want to ask the question, is it ultimate taser ball? Because that apparently was invented in Canada. Um, but I keep reminding him that was invented in Canada by a bunch of Americans who ex- who migrated accidentally to Canada.
1: <laughs> well, if I'm if I'm putting on my uh, my hometown blue hat here, it was invented in Canada, but it, that that surely was not invented in Quebec. That could not have been invented in Quebec. But,
0: uh, I don't think I think, that could I, I think... by anyone that's seen. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, yes. Um, okay, well, we've got a couple. More. We'll probably see if we can get a couple more questions in, but this one's definitely one I wanted Let's to.
1: Let's go. It's Christmas I wanted, special, Jerome. Let's keep I, wanted going.
0: To, I wanted to. This was one that I definitely wanted to talk to you about. Um, this is an interesting one. This is this is quite relevant. Uh, our coach is constantly negative towards us. We try and speak to her about it, but she refuses to listen. We've spoken to the to higher up. But they just say for us to tough it out. A few of us are watching younger players lose confidence. What can we do? And this is from Scarlett in Boston, Massachusetts.
1: An athlete. I love it.
0: Yeah, I don't
1: love the situation. It's the, it's the flip. Yeah. Yeah. Did she mention a sport?
0: Um, she does. She mentions it's um, soccer or football. Yeah, football. The round soccer. ball game.
1: Okay. Well, Scarlett, um, First of all, you know, I guess I'll 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 speak I'll speak to you as I would um, you know a captain because uh, I, I I'm going to presume that you hold a position of leadership. And even if you don't have a position of leadership, you are a leader uh, by the very fact that you are um, you know asking these questions and and on the lookout for um, for your younger teammates. Um I think that there is a um a real conversation that needs to be had about uh, the negativity and what that means and what that looks like. Um and the correction um of you know sports skills um in a way that is communicated uh, negatively. Uh, in you know is is also not the same as uh, personal critiques um you know like ad hominem attacks right like things about you uh the scarlet or you your teammates uh as people um i'm i'm going to assume that it's not the latter uh because i th- i don't i don't know of any sporting organization around that would tolerate that um and if you're, you know, certainly the response from the organization or the higher-ups has not been promising, uh, that's, that's disappointing to hear as well because at the very least there should be some, some um, efforts at helping the coach become better at communicating whatever it is that she's trying to communicate. Um, what, I, what I would suggest is this. Um, I know you've already had conversations with uh, the, the coach, and with the people that the coach reports to, um, but I don't think you can go back to the well too many times. Right. I think you, you, you have to go back. There needs to be more conversations because allowing things to stay at they are ER because there's a wall right now um, that doesn't seem to be budging or, or, you know, you can't get through the wall. You know, we don't stop when when there's a wall. We have to stop when, uh, when you know, we've achieved our objectives, uh, which in this case is to create a more positive environment, to create a more inclusive, by the sounds of it, um, you know, culture. Uh, a place where people are being challenged uh, and held accountable uh, to their best and to being, um, you know, a, a better version of, of, of who they were yesterday. Um, but challenged and held accountable in a way that, um, uplifts, uh, and that empowers, uh, and, uh, it sounds like the coach is, is perhaps not aware of how to do that. Um, and I, I don't know the level of play. I don't know the sort of the age group either. Uh, but for, for Scarlett to be asking this question, unless you do know Drew, I'm
0: just having a look. high school, high school, high school. Okay.
1: Okay. Well, definitely then in the high school environment, like these are, and she sounds like she might be a senior, um, you know, uh, or a junior, at at least. I mean, these are, these are just real conversations that need to happen. And, um, you know, I I think what the coach would like to hear um, is maybe some specific examples. Um, You know, for example, I'll flip it around you know one of my former athletes uh, is uh, talking to me about a situation where you know you know he went from playing quite a bit with his current team uh, coming out of one competition and then there were you know week and a half of practice and then going into another competition and then not playing and uh, he's not sure why or how that could happen and and um, and so he's asked uh, and he was told an answer. And, and the follow-up is, okay. So ask for some specific examples, watch it on film. Um, and, and that will help you understand what they are seeing and experiencing because what you are seeing and experiencing is not going to be the same as what they are as coaches seeing or experiencing. And I think the flip side is also true in this situation. Um, I think it, it requires, uh, maturity and poise. Uh, and it sounds like Scarlett has it, um uh, to have that conversation let me tell you about a time where the negativity that we are talking about was exhibited and how it affected us and you can go ahead and give that coach an example it was a team meeting it was on the sideline it was in practice I, i i don't know i'm i'm sure you can think of some very uh pertinent examples um let me share with you another example of of where, um, you know, the, the negative body language or, you know, the, the negative reaction to our effort really set us back in our mind. And and I want to let you know how we are, how we experienced that situation. And if there are situations where the coach has not been, um, negative and there probably has been right. Um, somewhere, you know, she's been positive or empowering, or, you know, she's just had a different impact. I would also say, let me share with you an example of where your positivity and how we felt empowered by it and confident, um, you know, by it and give them, give her a specific example. Um, And, and, you know, it really is going to be as dispassionate of a conversation as possible. Let her know that, you know, you want to play the game, your teammates want to play the game because you love the sport. Maybe you have um, objectives within the sport that you're trying to achieve. Um, you want to be, you know, partners, you want to be coached by that person and get the benefit of their experience, um, and knowledge. Uh, but you want to do it in a way that, uh, in an environment, I should say, you want to be in an environment where, um, you are motivated and empowered and not cut down and demotivated as a result of the negativity. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's not just, the message it's not just what you're trying to get across I I have no doubt that that Scarlett you you know you would have tried to say these very things right but sometimes it's not the message it's also the way and the words that are being used Um, and uh, as I often say you know we have to keep having conversation we have to go back to it we have to go back to it we have to go back to it and there's tough coaching and there is dehumanizing coaching And, you know, those things are not the same at all. And, um, you know, tough coaching does not equal um, pointing out everything that people are doing wrong all the time. Um, Tough coaching is also letting them know and actually caring about showing them how to improve. Uh, So, yeah, that's that's uh, this is what I would say to, you know, a captain or uh, to. Um, to to athletes that are facing something similar in their situations you know be ready for that conversation go have that conversation engage with it you know as as uh, dispassionately as possible but bring examples okay um and not you know not not just in generalities but do you remember that time uh when we were on the road in the locker room after the game Okay. And make sure that they're connecting with that, uh, with that situation, that example, Say, let me share with you, you know, how that environment, that situation affected me, how it affected my teammates. Um, And uh, you know, truthfully, most coaches, most coaches are, are, um, you know, going to want to hear that. And they're going to want to hear, um, you know, how they're, because honestly, if there are no examples or there's nothing sort of there's no meat to it, it's it's just like we're, it's negative and we don't like it. Which in and of itself is should be enough. Sometimes um, it's I think it's too easy for people that might not be uh, fully on, you know, sort of up to date with with um, with positive coaching and so forth to just say, oh, there's you know they're soft or you know the the athletes need to toughen up or you know that sort of thing. Um, so I think come with examples and have a real conversation and allow them time and space to digest that and, you know, allow them the opportunity to, to come back and to give examples of, of you know, maybe uh, you can get to a point where you can understand her negativity, not in terms of in direction towards the athletes, but maybe experiences in her life that has led her to be uh, with a certain mindset uh, when it comes to, to coaching or to sport. So um yeah, Scarlett, good luck. I mean, that's a really, really uh, important conversation. I respect the heck out of uh, you and your teammates um, wanting to have that conversation. And um, I, I do hope you reach back out with, with some more information, um, you know, directly or to Jerome. And, and um, you know, I, I definitely would like to know how it goes.
0: Yes, please let us know, Scarlett, how it goes, because it is, it is a tricky thing. And as you say, you know, it, you know, bringing it to the attention of the coach is important, but also you've, you've I know she said she hasn't, remember that higher up, those that are higher up may not have seen it. They may not have attended the games. They may not have seen the situation. They may not be aware of it. So they're basing it on what, you know, they've, they've got a, they're basing it on not knowing the situation. They may not have both sides of the calling or both sides of the, the situation. So... Um, you you're right you've got to keep having the conversations you've got to keep going back to the world in order to get the change um and we wish you all the very best in in doing it um yeah yeah one more question to finish off with and this is from fred in brisbane queensland place that uh, you've you've spent quite a bit of time at um he is a coach from outside of the sporting organization and he has been seeing bias in their representative selection process uh he
1: wants to know how to raise this with them. Okay. So perhaps uh, let me see if I can, first of all, shout out to Brisbane um, and, uh, and to all my, all my Queenslanders. Uh, In fact, I think I I did mention yes earlier, the team that I was mentioning, discussing earlier was in Queensland. And I did mention that and uh, a lot of, a lot of love for, for, uh, for Brizzy uh, down there. And, um, Um, You know, I think I think the the bias uh, aspect, first of all, we have to kind of operate from a standpoint where there's always going to be some level of implicit bias. Um, This does not this to me sounds like more explicit bias, which is what he is referring to. Um, But the implicit bias is is something that, you know, because we're not robots, uh, there's always going to be some some level of of as i said earlier confirmation bias right you're going to think something and you're going to find a way to uh to prove yourself right Um, and that cuts both ways whether that's you know thinking that there is bias or that's the organization itself in making their selections having a a bias in terms of how they're going about identifying their athletes um, and whatnot um I, i think depending on the type of bias um You know, and I think in terms of uh, the selection, um, it's difficult to really know what the selectors are looking for, right? Um, And I think my first instinct is to say, well, can you join the organization? Um, And can you become a part of that organization? And the reason I say that is because, you know, oftentimes, um, if not all the time, you're not looking for the best collection of talent, right? You're looking for the best team that is presuming that this is a team sport um, that is going to be able to compete. Um, And so, you know, it's interesting because even just this past weekend, for example, one of the things that I do is I work with our our state organization, our provincial organization here, Basketball British Columbia, as a uh, head coach for our high performance uh, targeted athlete uh, training program. So 36 of the best uh, grade 11, grade 12 um, athletes in the province. And we train, you know, together over the course of the fall. And our last session was on Sunday. It was our last weekend of of, of activity. And, you know, w- over the course of the weekend, you know, we were talking about recruiting and, and, and you know, going to Canada basketball. And, you know, Steve Nash got cut uh from team tbc uh right as a youngster and you know it's it's you never really get it right you know i mean look at what steve nash has gone on to do two-time nba mvp um and and so you know at the time the different decisions that are being made uh sometimes are are motivated by different things than what would typically you would assume would be motivating. Like, why is that person, why is that athlete not on that team? They're so good. Um, You know, maybe there's a scheduling conflict. Maybe they can't commit to enough of the sessions. Maybe, who knows, okay? Um, And so joining an organization and seeing it from the inside um, really opens us up to awareness of the implicit biases that are there. Now, if there's explicit bias, as in, you know, this athlete comes from this junior club and we don't like that junior club. And so we're not going to take that athlete. That's a whole other kettle of, of, of fish, right? Or this person's from that community or from that school or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, I think that when it's something like that, it goes well beyond the association level that goes to the, to the, uh, the state level. Uh, because the um, you know, every state organization is going to have um, codes of conduct for the association members. And um, I can tell you that that is against the code of conduct uh, when it's these explicit type biases. Um, so I, I think a real kind of assessment and with I'm curious to know more, because um, more details about the situation, uh, you know, would be helpful in, in, in maybe providing some some more specific feedback. Um, but generally speaking, I would, I always kind of try to pump the brakes a little bit and say, okay, let's try to understand really what's going on and, and, and what the process was like. Um, cause just like with, Scarlet uh, Scarlett in the previous question, you know, I think the vast majority of people that are in our area of sport, like they mean, well, they want to do well. They don't, they're not out to get people or anything like that. And I think that's a. It makes it a lot easier to to identify the people that are uh, like that. And you know, we if we if we sort of gain this understanding of of how are they making their decision their decisions and what is important to them uh, as they make those decisions, then we might still not agree, right? Like we still might be like, this is crazy. Like why is why is this person there and not this person and so forth. Uh, but at the very least, we have clarity of the process, um, and if you can't join the organization and you can't sort of join that club or, or association, um, you know, honestly, I think asking asking questions is uh, is should be part of part of this process. You know, like no selector is infallible, uh, and you know there are. always going to be times and opportunities and depending on the level, sometimes it's the media, you know, sometimes it's the national, international media, you know, I'm, I'm watching on, on Amazon prime. There's a great documentary behind the scenes with the Australian cricket team um, coming out of uh, South Africa and all of that business. Um, When uh, Justin uh, Langer came in and you know, bringing the team forward. So sometimes it's that level of scrutiny, right? Like uh, the whole world is asking you questions and sometimes it's just the people around the corner. Uh, but if you're a person around the corner and you have questions, if that's a public organization, you have every right to ask the question. And that's what I would do. I would ask the question, um, how, how are these decisions being made? You know, maybe, maybe this is a parent whose athlete was unsuccessful um, in, in, um, in being selected absolutely valid questions right um you know what what didn't work why why was my child not selected um and what what could they do better next time right um and uh and any any group that doesn't want to engage in that conversation is outside the mark in my opinion and um you know you probably don't want to be a part of the be a part of them anyway. If that's the case, because they're probably if they're doing things that way when it comes to selection, I'm sure they're doing a whole host of other things um, that would likely create even even bigger problems. Uh, so, without without any more specifics, I, I I guess that's what I would offer offer up for for our our friend in in Queensland.
0: And I will say to him, if he, if he can provide us with any more context, that'd be great because it is always handy to know you know, the context of what the situation is, like you say. Now having been in, in involved with the situation, sometimes this sometimes it's simple as the fact that you've got parent, parent selectors or selectors with very little knowledge. They've been sent to select because the club, a club within that association had to send somebody. And you know, you've got that sometimes is factored into the process. Sometimes you've got selectors there like in that situation, and I found this from a process I was involved with. The flash attracts them. The substance doesn't. So they push the players that are flashy. They don't push the players that are substance. And I go back to something that Herb Brooks once said, I'm not looking for the right, I'm not looking for the best players. When he was picking the US team in 1980, he said, I'm not looking for the best players. He said, I'm looking for the best and the right and best players for the situation that we're going to. Because he was, he was asked, why are you picking I think it was over uh, Craig, Jimmy, um, over Jim Craig over Janisak, who was his goalkeeper in in the, the college championship he just won. And he turned around and said, well, we're not playing college hockey. We're going to the Olympics. I need someone that can handle the pressure of international competition. And he knew that. So that was, that was, that was the reason behind it. So I go back to that all the time when I'm, involved with this process you, you remind yourself of you're, you're picking a team if you're picking a team you're picking a team and each piece of that puzzle that you're putting together has to be able to complement each other and sometimes and it's the substance not the flash that's going to get it done and and, and unfortunately sometimes other selectors around you won't see that because they're not necessarily as experienced in sure the process.
1: Yeah. And, and every, every uh, team building process is going to be really unique. Right. So um, it's, it's, it's funny. I'm listen. I was listening to a, an interview with Brian Gorgian and, um, you know, obviously extremely successful, you know, uh, coach um, in Australia and also beyond. Um, and he was, he was saying about, um, you know, how one of the times that you know one of the clubs that he was in and that had merged two clubs had merged um and uh um you know he he had to go to david anderson's house and tell him that he didn't have a spot um and and i mean for a variety of reasons which he gets into but but like it, david anderson turned out to be a pretty darn good player right uh and and there there are always different things that are occurring um and you know which sometimes are outside the control of the selectors sometimes which are inside the control of the selectors um and you know in that case I, I i think that he he really would have liked to to retain david anderson but there were things that he couldn't control um you know so it's it's it, it it's always more layered um, than, than what people on the outside will understand. Um, and that's why I think asking questions and getting that information is, is, is important. Um, and that doesn't mean we agree, right. That doesn't mean that, yeah, that makes sense, but I still disagree. Sure. That's, that could be a response. Um, but I, I think that the more transparency that, that we have, even when it comes to junior sport, even when it comes to selection criteria and, you know, like that conversation, at the start of the trials where, you know, we, we are embarking on this particular path with this team and, you know, maybe we are in development phase, maybe we are preparing them, um, you know, for the pinnacle competition that is in two years time uh, because it's that sort of within that cycle. Hey, that means the next couple of years our focus is something different than just um you know winning a game in the moment we're trying to win a national championship um you know at that competition in two years so you know maybe they make different decisions about that and 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 so you know it's it's uh it's a really interesting um puzzle uh for selectors of any nature at any level i i tend to give people the benefit of the doubt that's my outlook on life um it does lead me sometimes to, to come up to a point where I'm like, okay, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, and, um, so I, I would, I would still give them the benefit of the doubt, but I would definitely want to ask those questions. I, I definitely would be right in there. Um, and, uh, and, and trying to find out, you know, what goes into that decision-making process.
0: And it's important to ask those questions. You're right. Now you may not get the answers. You might not get the answers you like, but you keep asking. And, and that's an important, important part of the process sure and certain. Um, well, again, thank you, David. It's been fantastic to, to do this and fantastic to be able to do this and some very in-depth questions today um, uh, asking us different different things. Um, just as a sideline, uh, you, you'd be aware that uh, your good friend, uh, the current Perth Wildcats coach, is not doing half bad. They're on top of the ladder. Uh, he's had a pretty good start here in West Australia. Um, settled in quite nicely, I believe too. Although it gets hard now, it gets hard now. i they're they're on the road, so it's going to get a bit tougher from here. But um, yeah, he's he's uh, he's certainly settling in and doing quite well.
1: Yep, yeah, that's right. I um, I shared I shared some of that with him as well um, uh, the other day, and, and wished him well. I, I, I told him how much I love WA. I tell him that every time, basically. Uh, <laughs> how much I miss WA. I'm like, take care of WA for me, man. Cause uh, that's, uh, that, that that's another home for me. So, um, you know, I, I know obviously they're on the road and, and uh, it's been, the NBL has done a really good job at, um, at promoting it's, it's making it available. So the fact that here in North America, I can watch NBL games on YouTube uh, and not have to, sort of go through the ringer of, of finding, finding these games or, or whatnot. I think it's just growing the awareness. More people are aware of the league and the caliber of play. Um, You know, I, I watched, I did watch um, the Tasmania game uh, as well. Um, And uh, uh, it's, it's great to see that, uh, you know, the, some of the things are, that are being worked on or are being implemented. It's great to see the, the progression and um, yeah, I'm excited for, for the remainder of, of the Wildcat season, but more broadly for the NBL, I think the league's in a, in, in a great spot and uh, it's, it's some good basketball. Um, and I watch basketball from all over the world. Uh, you know, I, I regularly watch different levels of Europe, uh, Asia, South America, uh, North America, of course, as well. And, um, you know, the NBL really, really does have a cool product and 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 some really uh, talented uh, teams and players and some really good coaches, really good coaches. Uh, so it's it's in a good spot and I hope it continues.
0: Well, one of the things it's been very good at and it was very good at from the start and it was largely to do with the fact that Basketball Australia did it was that they called in everyone involved with basketball and they developed a plan for how to deal with this pandemic and how to cope through. And manage through it and and they are one sport at all levels from MBL down that has really done it quite well and uh, you've got to take your hat off them um,
1: I did see the press conference the other day when it was suggested why don't why doesn't everybody just come to Western Australia um, you know and, although and although it,
0: although from an NBL point of view the MBL doesn't have any fears about coming to West Australia they're happy to do it because they' have properly planned and they've properly mapped out uh, certain things. So you, you've got, you, you take your hat off. And, uh, and I always do, as I say to Kieran, I said it to him on the show that they're the one sport in Australia that can really hold their head high in terms of how they've planned and managed everything around this. And they've done it from all at all levels. They haven't just done it for the NBL. They've done it all the way through because they wanted to secure the sport. Yeah. In the future.
1: Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of my, one of my good friends was at the, uh, uh, the Brisbane bullet scheme and, uh, you know, uh, long time basketball person in, in Queensland. And, um, you know, I, I think his, his take on, on, on the situation really speaks loudly as well. Um, because he has, you know, high level experiences as, as well as more youth grassroots experience and his, what he saw was an improved, um, standard, um, and, uh, you know, I remember going down to when the Gold Coast, uh, when when Joey was coaching uh, down in the Gold Coast, and um, I went down and watched some games uh, there. And um, you know, you really, you could see that there was a disparity, and there still is, of course, uh, to a certain degree. But but overall, there's a, a rising tide um, that have that has lifted um, you know all the boats, so to speak. Uh, across the board. And of course there'll be better teams and, and, and worse teams record wise. Um, But uh, I think what they've done COVID uh, related has just allowed their uh, product uh, to be showcased in a lot of different ways. Um, You know, and I hope that continues. I just hope that everybody, um, you know, continues to take care of business the way that they need to, so that, you know, the sports can continue. Um, and in particular, the NBL can continue because it's um, it's in a good spot.
0: Well, once again, David, thank you. And uh, we want to wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Uh, we'll be back in the new year with the Thinking Coach. We're looking forward to it. Um, again, we say to everyone out there, please keep asking your questions because they are so valuable to we'll be able to get out and talk about different aspects of coaching and different aspects of what people are seeing. And now of course we've, we're getting through and, and we say this to players too, if you've got a question that relates to coaching, but you're the, from that side, feel free to ask because we can offer you ideas of how, and we've, we've done that with Scarlett, how we can you know help from that point of view, because it's all about lifting the standards, improving coaching around the world. So again, thank you, David. And uh, to you and your family, a very Merry Christmas and a very happy new year.
1: Thank you, Jerome. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you and Happy Holidays. Uh, hope everyone stays safe and enjoys this uh, this period of the year. It's a period of renewal as we enter a new year into 2022 and let's make it uh, let's make it a good one. I, I look forward to these discussions. I, I I make sure to carve out time and uh, to dedicate my attention to it because it's it's really it's really a lot of fun um and and i enjoy it and i can't wait to get back uh, in the new year and start up again and and see where where our different projects uh take us uh but i want to thank you for for all you do as well and uh, wish you a merry christmas um and uh and a safe holiday season
0: Thank you, and and Stefan wishes you a Merry Christmas as well from New Zealand. He's just sent Merry uh, Christmas to David as well. So I just right, right back that. at you. Right, thank you everybody, and we'll look forward to catching you again in the new year uh, for the Thinking Coach. We'll talk to you soon. Bye for now.